don't tell them that. Um, but needless to say, I'm sitting there and I'm, a, I'm frazzled. Like I'm thinking about the kids, I'm thinking about teenagers, I'm thinking about preaching, I'm thinking about everything that has to happen. And then we just sang that song. And it like centered me, that, that, that bridge, like no fire can burn me. I can't remember the rest of the lyrics at the moment, so I'm not going to try to butcher it. No battle. Keep going. No mountain. <laughs> there it is. No mountain can stop me because you hold my hand. And then it's the next slide. The, and I'm walking in your victory because your power is within me. No giant can defeat me because you hold my hand. So this, this sermon for me has been a giant. Like, I feel like I'm David and that's Goliath. And I, like have been frazzled all week, all morning about it, but leading that, and then it was all of a sudden, it was like God reached down and he pulled me up because at the end of the day, nothing is gonna get in the way of what God wants to communicate today. So even if I don't even like look at my notes once and we have a 10 minute sermon, it's gonna be exactly what needs to happen because there's nothing that can get in the way of what God has today. So today we're talking about the eighth commandment, do not steal, or thou shalt not steal. Uh, And it's found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. It's also found in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 19. Um, But one of the things that we've talked about throughout this series is that the Ten Commandments were not given to the Israelites as like rules and laws as Honestly, I was raised to have known them, but they were actually given to them so they would experience freedom. And then what I've learned in the studying these last few commandments is now that they've like experienced the freedom of like you don't have to worship other gods and you and you don't have to have idols and don't use my name in vain and all of these different things, now it's like, okay, you have the freedom, how do you live in that freedom? So this this thou shalt not steal is a way for them to live in freedom. If they were taking from one another, whether it was the poor taking from the wealthy or the wealthy taking from the poor, there would be a a feeling of distrust, right? Like, I don't know if you guys have ever had something taken from you, but like, it doesn't make you feel good. It might make you feel violated. It might make you feel um, like misused or mistreated. There's automatically a wall built up, not even, not just to the person that took from you, but also to everybody else, right? To maybe a somebody who looks like that person that took from you or somebody who might act like that person who took from you. You automatically have a wall built up super high. And so this, this commandment was to help the Israelites, to help the people of Israel sustain the trust and freedom that they already had, to take and rebuild what had been taken from them. It also protects, it legitimately just protects the goods and the livelihood of those around them, right? So it wasn't just for um, the, it wasn't, it wasn't just for the poor or the rich, it was for everybody. Um, one of the, the things that I think that we have to know before we go further into what this text is, is how 
um, theft was handled in those days. So theft uh, was handled in other cultures surrounding um, by like mutilation. So whether someone's hand was cut off or they were killed or whatever that was, that was just the way they handled theft. The, the um, consequence of, like the consequences just depended on your class. It didn't even depend on your action. So like if someone who was in the wealthier class went and stole the same thing that someone who was in a lower class went and stole, someone who was in the wealthier class might get like a slap on the wrist, where someone in a lower class would get their hand chopped off. So it was just this drastic difference where it was more about class and where you stood in the society than it was about the act. So there was, so in other cultures, the action wasn't actually the issue. It was where your society, where you stood in social ranks. So God came in and he gave the Sinai law, and when he, when he gave that law, it was so that there would be restitution among everybody. So whether you were in the wealthier class or the lower class, the consequence was the same. You would then, if it was something like, let's say I went over to Angel's house and like took all her TVs, took all her, like everything electronic, and then just went and sold it, right? So what I would then have to do is I would have to work off my debt. I would have to like work it off till all the TVs, everything that I stole was paid for. And then it'd be done. It didn't follow you around. It was let go. And if after seven years your debt wasn't paid, your debt was resolved. So there wasn't this weight. There wasn't a shackle that was cha chained to your ankle for the rest of your life. They weren't thrown in prison. They weren't put down. There wasn't a big title of shame put over them. Sure, there was distrust. And of course, they'd have to earn back some of that. But the whole point of the Sinai law was to bring restitu restitution, restoration, so that they could live in harmony with one another. Y'all, I cried a lot over this because we are doing the exact opposite of what this we're supposed to be doing. Like we are the wealthy taking from the poor and the poor taking because they have to. And we are throwing people in prison and we're not actually bringing restitution or resolution to anything. We're not teaching how can you be better. Now, in no way did the Sinai law say, go for it, free for all, everyone take what you want. No. The whole point, the whole hope was there would be equity for everybody. That everybody would be able to live in community in a healthy way. It didn't mean that there wasn't those who were, had less than those that were wealthy. It didn't mean that there wasn't class but it meant that there was ev like, it was even ground. Everyone was on the same playing field. Dr. Buckner says that the Eighth Commandment protects against the bondage to a culture that steals from the poor to sustain itself and creates an incentive for the poor to steal to sustain their lives. I was supposed to say that creates, sorry, my typo. 
So the whole point of the Eighth Commandment was that it was to protect against the bondage to a culture that stole from the poor, that then created incentive for the poor to steal so that they could live. Does anyone read that and see us? Does anyone else read that and see, oh, great, so we are a culture that steals from the poor so that we can keep going. That is leaving the poor to then have to steal, end up in jail, end up with their lives ruined because we've stepped out of what God intended for us. This was never, this is what he wanted. He never intended for there to be a hierarchy. He didn't want us to be like all the other cultures where mutilation was happening based on your socioeconomic place. Theft, if that doesn't just happen because you wake up one morning and decide you're going to go and steal something. And I'm not saying that those situations don't exist. I'm not saying, like, let's just make this really clear. I'm not standing up here and giving you all permission to go steal stuff, okay? All right? I did not say that. It's on record now. Matt and Jamel can hear it on the sermon when they listen to it. Didn't say it. But when I was growing up and I learned, thou shalt not steal, I thought that meant that you had the ability to choose whether or not you would steal. And I think there is still a choice. I believe that there are choices that are made. But if you're a single mom and all you want to do is put food on the table for your kids and you can't because you don't make enough because minimum wage is below what it should and you've got rent and utilities and all these other things, and you're at the grocery store, like, I can't imagine the weight that that must feel like. Do I steal the can of beans because my kids need to eat or do I uphold the law because society has put me in a box. I don't know. Because I have a little girl and I'd do anything for her. So unfortunately, I've been on the side that steals from the poor to sustain itself. And I'm sorry because I didn't know that it was such a hard choice. And now I stand on the side where I want to change society so that the poor don't have to steal for their lives. But they have a choice and they have a chance to go out and do what they need to do so that then they can pay all their bills, they can buy groceries. Matt and Jamel are actually telling me that one of the things that their professor said when they were taking this class was that um, in the day of the Sinai law, stealing food wasn't actually theft. Food was for everybody. So if you couldn't afford to purchase your daily bread, you could take it. 
Could you imagine if our grocery stores had a spot where if people couldn't afford their daily bread that day, they could take it? Like, what? And it's not going to a church. I mean, yes, there are churches with food closets, and that's great, and I'm not knocking that by any means. But how much more dignity is it if you walk into the grocery store? Like, you're handing dignity back to that person. Because they're walking in, and they get to take their daily bread. Theft is, is a two-sided thing. It is taking what's not yours. But it's not just those who are less than taking because they want it. Sometimes it's because they need it. But it's also the wealthy taking from the poor. And that has wrecked me this week. Because... Um, even if we have very little, we still have more than somebody. I'm sure we can all think of somebody where it's like we, we still have more. And I think to myself, do I give all that I can give? Or do I only give however much I'm supposed to give? Um, <clears throat> Jay Calvin he saw the Eighth Commandment as a concern not only with the precise crime of burglary or robbery, but with all forms of unjust gain at the expense of others. So he's talking about, like, landlords raising their rent so that they can either get a different, land, like a different tenant who will pay more, or they just kick people out in general. And then they can sell the building for however much they want, displacing tons of people, Right? He's talking, it's, it's against, like, it's about, it's against your, your own monetary gain. He says that craft and low cunning is called prudence. That's what our, our society says this. That it is spoken of as provident and circumspect, who cleverly one reaches others, who takes is in the simple and insidiously, oops, sorry, impresses the poor. Since therefore the world boasts of vices as if they were virtues, and thus all freely excuse themselves in sin, God wipes away all this gloss when he pronounces all unjust means of gain to be thefts. Any way that you're gaining at the expense of somebody else is a theft. Like, and we do that constantly. It was the idea that the poor must not steal, but the flip side is the privilege should make sure it's not necessary for them to steal by stealing hope. You might not actually steal from someone, but are you taking their hope? Or when you walk, are you giving that hope back to make someone feel like they can, that they, they can do better? They can be better. I gotta be 100% honest, like until I came to this church, 
I lived in a pretty big bubble. A bubble that was pretty white. <laughs> um, I grew up in the suburbs. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I had a very literal black and white idea of what this stuff was. Like, oh, you steal, but you had a choice. Yeah, you, you have a choice, but, but if there's a system that is set up against you by stealing your hope, you are also a victim. You've also been vandalized. You also are mistrust. Like, if that's, if that's your story, then why would you trust a system? And then I came here, and I keep getting sermons like this. <laughs> keep pushing me further out of my comfort zone. <laughs> to have to pick a side. Am I going to stand up for the injustice that happens in our world, in our society, or am I going to sit on the sidelines because that's where some of my friends are and it's more comfortable there? I don't know about you, but for me, after learning this, I can't sit on the sidelines. I got to do more. And I racked my brain of like... <laughs> okay, this is all well and good, but like, what does this mean? Where do we go from here? Because my solution <laughs> is just to tear it all down and rebuild it. <laughs> um, but I don't know how to do that other than like literally like burning it all down. <laughs> and I don't know if that would work. <laughs> So, <laughs> so how can we, as the church, give back the hope that's been stolen? How can we, as the church, give back the hope to those who sit with us every Sunday where hope has been stolen? Because I'm not going to deny the fact that I'm sure there are people sitting in this room today where they felt like their hope has been taken. And if that's you, I'm sorry. Because you should have hope. And you shouldn't feel like a system took it from you. I've mentioned a couple of times that this message kind of rocked me. Like I was literally brought to tears on Thursday thinking about how this... This verse was written to protect people and dignity and livelihood and all these things. And we have literally just marched all over and done the exact opposite. We have exposed. We have had caused people to build up walls. We have taken what's not ours. Like all of this stuff has happened and it is, it is it's just a mess. But then Jesus, he moves on to expand past just do not steal. And he kind of gives us the solution. It's found in Matthew 25, 32 through 46. 
Now, I don't have it on the screen because y'all have phones or Bibles, and I think that this is so important, and I'd like everyone to take a minute to turn there so that you, like, when you're wondering, what can I do? Well, I've already given you the answer. So Matthew 25, 32 through 46, um, and once you're there, I'll start reading. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a, sheep, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did, you, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we, did we see you a stranger and welcome you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you curse, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Which side do you stand on? Are you on the right? Are you on the left? It's kind of intense. It's actually really intense. Forget the kind of. I've been on the left where I think I'm ministering, but I'm passing people by left and right. And I gotta be real right now, I so desperately wanna be on the right. But there are days where it's a lot easier to be a goat than a sheep. The solution is for us to give to the hungry, to the thirsty, visit those who are in prison, give solutions to those that are sick. I can't um, 
can't tell you where you stand, and I'm not here to judge you, because like I said, I've literally been all the way on the left with the goats, just sitting there, thinking that I'm doing exactly what Jesus has told me to do, but I have done the exact opposite of what this verse tells me to do. And if that's you, my hope and my prayer for you today is that you'll take a minute to look within and ask God, like, what can I do differently? Because I think the solution to the start of changing our society so that theft, so that like, we can get back, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever really get back to how this was meant to be because we're human, we're sinners, and we mess up a lot. But I think we can, like, work towards that. And if we just sit and wait for people in politics to do it, it's never going to get done. So instead of us just sitting in here, like each one of us has a specific talent that can do go towards like starting to see change. Like I'm not super good at going up to people and asking them for things. Really not my strength, but my dad, homeboy will walk into anywhere and just ask for something. So like I'm gonna send him to Kroger and be like, you go tell them to put their bread for free. And he will. He's good at it. And there's probably some more of you that are good at that. So maybe that's your solution. Maybe you're really, really good at grabbing a cup of coffee for you and another person and going and having a conversation. Because that right there gives someone hope. That is giving them back what has been taken from them. And if that's you, do it. We each have something inside of us that's different. For Martin, you make people who are of a different religion, who feel like outsiders, know that they have a space here. Like, that's amazing. We are called to go out and give back the hope that has been stolen. As we close today, my prayer is that we walk with a different attitude towards the commandment, thou shalt not steal. And that we have a different outlook on what we do and how our actions impact other people. I am now not just gonna do things without thinking about is my, am, I, am I taking to gain something from somebody else? My prayer is that you guys will do the same. I, I don't know where everybody's at in the room, and I w honestly wish we could have a moment where everyone could, like, just talk. <laughs> but if you're sitting here today and hope has been taken from you and healing needs to happen, 
so that that hope can then be restored so then you could then go and do that for somebody else. I want to create a space where you can come and pray with people. So if um, Stephanie, I know I'm putting you all on the spot, but Stephanie and Martin and Joshua, would you three be my uh, prayer warriors today? And anybody else, really. Um, But if you're in a place where hope has been taken from you and you need that restored, please come and see one of them so that that can happen for you. If you're sitting here today and you're realizing, I'm a goat, I want to be a goat, you don't have to be a goat. (laughs) Hey, it's a good analogy. Run with it. Um, And you want to pray with someone to just have the courage to say yes to being obedient to what God has for you and how he wants to use you to create change in a very broken system. We want to pray with you. And lastly, if you feel like you've been doing all the right things, but you're tired, then we want to pray with you too for rest and restoration. Guys, we live in a broken world. And I'm not saying that this is going to change it. But I don't know about you. If I can put a dent in something, maybe even like not even a noticeable dent, but we impact lives around us, then that's worth it. It's worth that moment. You pray with me. Jesus, I thank you so much for today. Thank you for the fact that you gave us the ability to give dignity back to those who have lost it. I thank you for the fact that you have given us the chance to give back hope where it has been stolen. God, you are a good God. And this was never your intention. This this societal cycle of the rich taking from the poor, causing the poor then have to take to sustain their lives. Like that was never your hope for us. So God, I pray for healing for those who might be sitting here today feeling hopeless and angry and hurt. God, I pray for healing. God, help us to know exactly what what we can do to break the cycle that surrounds us. We love you, Father. We give you today. We give you every day. In your name I pray, amen.